Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. It's episode 43, and before we get into looking at this idea of what's the one thing, I'll explain more about that in the next segment. I just want to give you a, a quick update, and in particular, a, a shout out to a number of my former and current clients, Elaine, Paul, Jen, Stu, Kate, Lindsay, and Graham. Now, I, I just want to say thank you to you all. Um, not just for providing uh, a video case study to sort of share what you've got out of the process of working with me, um, which I totally appreciate. And if you head over to restlessmidlifer.com, by the way, you can you can have a look at those videos. But it's not just providing the video. It was it was the insight, because what I think many of us do, and, and me in particular, is we don't look back on, on what we've done, what we may have achieved, and the impact on people. It was really humbling and actually... Um, uh, really lovely to hear how not just the impact of the actual coaching as it happened or you know that process around it but how it stayed with them over the time that's been really amazing so it's been really great and I guess one of the reasons really real life realizations that I had is you know when you when you're in conversation uh, which in effectively a coaching session is a very particular kind of conversation. But when we're in conversations with people, it's how they they spark things. But what I realized, particularly in that coach in the coaching work, is the work doesn't actually happen in the session. <laughs> you know, as a as a coach, potentially I'm doing the I'm doing work, you know, trying to think and just, you know, shut my mouth for a lot of the time. But, you know, ask the right question. But actually the work for the client, it, there is work in those sessions. But it's it's, it happens outside the session. The magic seems to happen outside when you then interface once again with the world, with that new conversation. There's a phrase in, in I don't know if it's in forensic science, um, uh, every contact counts, um, or every, not every contact counts, that's something completely different. Every contact leaves a trace. And I think that's true in forensics, um, but I think it's true in life. So every conversation we have, every interaction, whether it's a professional interaction, personal interaction, friendship, passing, you know, smiling at somebody in the street, leaves a trace and has a contact and has an impact on the things that can subsequently happen. And in particular, the processing and the interactions, the thinking and the reflecting and the shaping and the decisions that make thereafter. And that that's for me is the magic of this whole process. So it was really it was really great and a, a real insight. So thank you again to, to you all, Lillian, Paul, Jen, Stu, Kate, Lindsay, and Graham in particular. Thank you. Um and it, I guess the other thing that I wanted to just highlight here is that I think there is potentially a perception around, you know, life coaching, success coaching, midlife coaching, as I try as I call it, that you know, you have to present a perfect image or an image of success. And I'm using the old air quotes for those who are listening. Um, you know, you have to present a successful image and you you then shape your offer your as a coach, etc. You know, follow this, do this, and you will be, you will achieve your success. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but it feels fake. And it often is, to be honest. Um, and I guess I love, I love to work with real people and real people who define success in different ways and in their own ways their own personal ways that's where it's really at and it's just it's just awesome and for me I want to stay real too you know I've shared the I am sharing my journey on Operation D move and I'm sharing the warts and all I guess of it um but isn't that the point we're all a work in progress we all have 
and I talk about this direction of travel. We all have a direction of travel. And for me, it's about exerting some influence and control over that direction of travel and moving in that direction, but being allowed to experiment, to get it wrong, to make mistakes, to fall off the track or the, the path that we identify or set ourselves and ultimately to learn lessons and grow. And that's what I love about this whole thing. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's about keeping it real. So for you as a listener, if you're looking to make changes, it's about keeping it real, but keeping it real in a way that does means you don't drive yourself in the ground. You don't drive towards some unrealistic, perfect expectation of what success is because it's not real. It's not real and it's not where it's at. There's a, Alan Watts is a uh, now passed away philosopher um, of the past. Uh, one of one of the things he talks about is you don't listen to a piece of music to get to the end. You listen to the music to enjoy the music in itself. And I think this is what this is all about: enjoy the process. Um, so anyway, that's it for now. Just to get you thinking about that and and to to have a shout out to to those great people, brilliant people who are on their own brilliant journeys. Each one of them. Um, and before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you, don't forget, you can um, learn more about embracing your own Restless Midlife by jumping over to the restlessmidlife.com and check out the Midlife Readventure program, the Academy, and to sign up for to receive the regular updates, the free tips and tools and strategies to help you regroup, reshape, and redesign your own midlife adventure. Last week, I shared how to start getting clear, you know, emptying the cabbages into onto paper or into a conversation and doing the cabbage audit. Now, the thing is, that might prove stressful in itself, and that's okay. Go easy on yourself and allow the paper to hold and take care of those things. Allow the conversation and the caring, supportive nature of that with that other person to take care of that for now. And perhaps, you know, some obvious and urgent actions or decisions have come to light as a result of that process, in which case they often take care of themselves, not by doing nothing, but by identifying the first steps. And if you're not sure what the first step is, which this ties into the, the theme of the episode, if you're not sure what the first step is, then a tip is to make your first step a period of reflection to work out what the first step is. To If you're not sure what to do, the, next, the thing to do is to take 10 minutes out to work out what to do next. Um, and that's part of it. And I guess with that comes that if it's the harder it is to identify the next step of action, then the more likely it is that you need to get some support. You know, you need to speak to a loved, trusted one who may not be affected by the situation um, or the challenge and someone you can bounce the issue off. Or is there somebody you know who is, you know, has or is experiencing the same issue, but maybe a bit further ahead, you know, may have be dealing with it and seem to be dealing with it more effectively. Reach out to them and you might be actually be surprised, not just by the advice and tips and support that you get, but also by the fact that they may share with you some of their struggles and that can be reassuring to know that despite the fact that they have struggled, they still have made progress. And that means you can too. So it's important to take some action. But there's also this challenge of the process itself can generate overwhelm. Um, and this is where next week I'm going to talk about overwhelm and some principles and tips on how to manage that overwhelm. But I think the challenge is when we, if we spent a long time avoiding, you know, dealing with the cabbage, confronting them and perhaps getting stuck into just working harder or alcohol or distraction, you know, avoidance. When we start to confront, we can start to have those feelings of overwhelm or feeling ground down by looking at the big picture. And I mean big picture, not in the helpful perspective, you know, when you're working on a part of something or a part of a project and it's useful to know 
the big picture so that you can see how you're contributing to it and how you know how what you're doing is moving you towards that bigger picture i actually mean big picture in the more destructive sense the opposite sense where by looking at the big picture the pile all we see is cabbages and a pile of them that can can send us into overwhelm it makes us feel like oh, i cannot handle this there's too much here and that's where last week encouragement to do the exercise may have generated some of those feelings and you may have subsequently complete the exercise and be a, a bit of a loss of what to do next and if not great crack on you know that's great taking action really works and helps um or you may have not completed the exercise fully because that sense of overwhelm became overpowering so as i said i'm going to deal with overwhelm next week but what you might have found is that your mind would have gone on to how do I handle this? I can't handle this. And you've got into that sense of feeling unable to cope and feeling out of control. And that was the re very reason we, I encouraged you to undertake the activity in the first place was to gain a sense of control, to start taking a bit of authority and control over the direction of travel for your life. And I guess what I see happen in these instances and what I experienced myself, to be fair, is a powerful urge to do one of two things, either do something, anything. And in fact, as much as possible, just do stuff, multitask, open a browser tab, open many browser tabs in my mind and just get stuff done and work on them all. Overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Or we slip back into avoidance, push things away, seek escape and allow the feelings to abate until we can start to return to that inactive denial effectively. That's comfortable. And I use air quotes again, but inevitably nothing changes and things may only get worse. So what I've learned is there's a need to manage the emotional state of overwhelm, but to recognize that in itself, that is not solving the underlying issue. In other words, it's not dealing with the problem, the slicing, dicing of the cabbage and the chunking down and sweating of the sprouts, taking the action. That comes later. It is about getting your head into the right space, the right place, emotionally and, and rationally, to solve the problem. And next week, I will deal with the emotional side of things because this week, it's about what one thing, what action can we take? So it's about recognizing though, and when we deal with overwhelm, it is not about solving the problem. It's about getting your heads into the place where you can be in a position to think more clearly in order to solve the problem. So this is the thing. When we are in that overwhelm, we can fall back into one of the, the you know, one or two of those courses of action, you know, avoidance or just doing anything, uh, anything, and lots of things. And in defense of the latter, let's be right, that can have an impact. We can hit upon, you know, one or two lone actions that can have a real impact on what we can do and move us forward. But the problem is it's the spirit or the state in which it's all done, that spirit of overwhelm or panic. And the question is, at what cost? And how empowered do you really feel with that scattergun approach? And that's where it brings the, to me to the key mistakes to watch out for, for those of you who have in the past found yourself resorting to doing something, anything, many things, just to address an issue. You might have learned that that's what's worked in the past and you do more of it in order to get yourself a sense of control. You, In doing it, you can reinforce that it works because you you randomly hit upon a couple of a couple of things that have worked and that have made some, you know, moved you forward. And you've given yourself a false sense of control. But here's the thing, there may be a better way. And this is why... I think it's important to navigate, and this is the avoiding that all or nothing, avoidance or just blitz it with action, then navigating the narrow path through of managing our emotional overwhelm so we can get to a place where we can take considered rational 
action. And in doing that, in slowing down, we can identify the actions that will have the greatest impact, the sprouts with the most clout, as I call them, and to take that action. And in the process, perhaps save time, certainly save some blood, sweat and tears, and may even make other things you were going to do or thinking you would do, you know, normally do, unnecessary or easier. And that brings me to really what I want you to think about and, and to do this week really is what can we do? What's the one thing we can do? And it's built, this is built on upon a great book and uh, called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan and a quote around which the book is built. And I'm going to read, I'm going to give you the quote and kind of repeat it and rephrase it and give you how I want you to apply it really. Thing is, what's the quote is, sorry, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. So what's the one thing? What is the one thing that if I was to do it, it starts the ball rolling. It starts that domino fall of other things happening or makes a lot of other things necessary. What's the sprout with the most impact, the most clout? What is the one thing that if I do that will make other things easier or unnecessary? And that's what I want you to think about today because Last week was about clearing some space to, th to allow ourselves to start to think. But in the process, there's inevitably cabbages to slice, dice and chunk. And what we might do is fall back into avoidance or back into working and just being busy and doing lots of things. And in fact, out of the lots of things we do, there's probably only one or two things that have the most impact. And if we did them, those one or two things, we might actually make the other things easier or unnecessary. That's the principle of that quote. So I want you to think about that. If you don't know what the obvious next action is, then your next action is to take some time over the next few days or nights, take 10 minutes out, 15 minutes. You might do this with a conversation or bounce it off somebody else if you need to. Take time out to work out what the next thing is that you need to do. And that next thing is the one thing. What's the one thing that if I was to do that would have the greatest impact on this issue, would get me moving, would make a lot of other things easier or unnecessary? It might be that one conversation about that project. It might be a renegotiation. It might be contact the bank or the credit card about. It might be speak to my partner about. There's a things. There are lots of things. And just an additional part on that, because in identifying the one thing, we might identify something that we just, we feel that we don't have the emotional capacity. It's just, I can't do that. You know, we feel like we can't do it. It's too big. Now, my suggestion is it still needs to be done, but it's not for me to push at that. And it might be that you need to get some support in doing that. And or you may move on to the next thing. Because the next one thing may still have enough clout to move you forward, make other things easier and unnecessary and get the ball rolling. So don't, it's not about necessarily avoidance, it's about picking the moment and the right sprout to sweat. So what is the one action and what is the next action if the next one action, the next one thing, the next one sprout that you can work on if that first one is just too much for you at the moment. And my suggestion is that the harder it is to identify the one thing or to actually think I can do that, I will do that, then that's when support of a loved one, you know, even a therapist potentially, um, if it's something that's potentially really troubling or traumatic, etc., that's when we need that support. So that's it for this week. What I want to do, I'm going to talk about overwhelm next week because that's you know a theme for this these particular series of episodes. Um, 
but it's about recognizing that actually in taking action, we can get a sense of control back, but the right kind of action, not the scattercon blitz approach, but considered. So what's the one thing, the one sprout with the most clout that if I was to do that, will start things off, will make other things unnecessary or easier. And take care for now. Drop me a line, Dave at Restless Midlife, if you have any feedback, comments, questions, or thoughts for ideas for future episodes. And do note that the... Um, I've slightly changed the, folk, the, the format of the podcast in that every week I'm going to do an episode like this. And then what I am introducing is a bonus episode, which is where the interviews will go. Now, that will be every week for the interviews, uh, but the interviews are going to be based around um, perhaps a restless, restless midlifer story. You know, somebody who's got something to share and experiences and, and have learned things and, and perhaps share common things that, that and those feelings and have done something about it, move, moved in that direction. Perhaps somebody who's who's got some expertise that can shed light on some of the things I've talked about, some of the other ideas or aspects. And I've got some great interviews lined up and coming up um, uh, over the next few weeks. But that's it for now. Take care. And remember, what's that one sprout, the one thing, the one sprout with the most clout that will make the most impact on the smelliest cabbage that you need to deal with to clear your head and get you moving back in the direction of, you know, reclaiming life and getting it back on your terms. Take care for now. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Gory adventure. <laughs>